with a little prayer. But God, time as we dig into your word, may we just see that uh, you are God full of mercy. And that we deserve things. We deserve death, God, but you, you give us life. And we can't begin to fathom that, understand that fully, God. But help us just to be able to understand just a little bit, a little glimpse of, of how truly great you are tonight. In your name I pray. Amen. All right, so a couple things real quick. If you have the Bible app, that like the Version Bible app, it's been a little while since they've done this. But if you get the app, there's, there's something we do. We've done it a few times in here. So like I said, it's been, been a hot minute, mostly because we haven't really met here, except for like, you know, a couple times now. Um, so if you go to the Bible app, you can go down to that bottom corner where it says more. I promise that's what it says. You just can't really tell. It says more. And then after you click on the more button, the events button will pop up. And then there's one that says Phantom Terrace Baptist Church. It was there earlier. I can't look them up. My phone's not looking for some reason. You got it? Zach's got it. So if Zach can do it, y'all can do it. So this, this allows you guys to take notes, to save the notes, to see kind of where we're going to go. You guys can type in little notes with any, like there's questions I ask. You guys can type in some answers. You hit the save button and you always have these notes on your phone to go back and look at later on in life. Which may not be a bad idea to have notes from Bible studies and whatnot. So... Before we get into uh, the actual lesson, I'm going to have a, a video for you guys. Have anybody ever seen like uh, celebrities read mean tweets on Jimmy Kimmel? Anybody ever seen those? Like four of us. Okay. Well, this one is this is not that. So, because I like my job, I don't get fired for bad language in those. This one's a little cleaner.
mean, it's just dumb video, but I mean, but it's, it's still still true that people can be mean. Like, so if you watch that one, or if you watch like the celebrities read mean tweets, people can be pretty mean. Um, you know, on the internet, people can be merciless, be hiding behind their keyboard, typing things without being face to face. If you ever just wander in the comment section on a YouTube video, you'll you'll find out pretty quick. You, you see a lot of that kind of stuff going on in, in our world right now, and those attacks. I mean, there's no other word but hateful for them. Sometimes people get attacked online because someone feels wronged by them, and it's, they're looking for justice. So, like, man, they hurt my feelings, or they, they did whatever. i got to do what I can to attack them and, and make them pay for how they made me feel, right? That's, that's pretty common what people do. People might start hashtags or declare campaigns or rally their friends to go after someone online because they believe they've done something wrong and they must be punished. And there are countless stories of people who have received so much negative online backlash because of their bad behavior that they've lost their jobs or even had to change their names. Um, I can't imagine Steve, anybody know, besides Brandon, know who Steve Bartman is? Steve Bartman. Steve Bartman was the fan at the Chicago Cubs game in 2003 who reached over the fence, or actually he didn't reach over the fence, he reached in his seat and tried to catch a foul ball. Um, Moises Zalu, the outfielder, missed it, and then the Cubs just tanked down there. I mean, Steve Bartman had to, like, go into hiding. This was before social media. And I can't imagine what his life would have been like if that would have happened during social media time. Now, I read this week, there's a soccer player lost his job. He's kicked off of his MLS team because of something his wife tweeted. It's, it's insane. I don't get it. But this is where things can get complicated as far as justice is concerned. Because justice, which is the, the current subject of our series here, it, it's about making wrong things right. Usually making wrong things right requires someone to be punished or held accountable for their actions. Um, that, I forgot the guy's name that was in New York City. He was there, you know, and that white lady t- called the cops on him. And it was, he was, there was nothing going on. And she's like, this, this you know, African-American's trying to beat me up or whatever. And like the cop, you know, what, nothing happened. There was nothing going on. She called the cops on this dude for no reason except that she's just racist. Um, and then because of what happened, you know, she was blasted over social media. And she got fired from her job for what, what she did. And then the guy came out and said, like, that's, that's dumb. You know, she hasn't, you know, what she did was wrong. But, you know, getting fired for what she said... It, that doesn't make sense. You know, there should be some punishment. should be some apologies and that kind of stuff. But it shouldn't be. She shouldn't have to lose her job because of what she said online. You know? but people try to make wrong things right by punishing people, making them be held accountable. But the question is, can our desire to punish someone who has done wrong ever go too far? How do we hold people accountable for their actions in a way that honors God? So last week we said that God is calling each of us. Do you remember what the main theme was? Two words. Awesome. Nobody's paying attention. Do something. To do something. To fight for justice. Today we're going to begin talking about how and how not to do something. So uh, last week we read a passage of scripture that I'd like to revisit. If you have the Bible app open or whatever you want to use it, we're going to be in Micah 6, 8. Again, in the, uh, in, for this week we're going to be in the NIV for this particular passage this, this time. It says, He has showed you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. So today I want us to 
focus on two words from this passage, which is to love mercy. So the question is, so what is mercy? I, I think the idea of God's mercy is best defined in the person of Jesus because his life just completely embodied what mercy really is. Sometimes mercy is defined um, in contrast to grace. Um, where, uh, but most of the time, mercy and grace, and really they, they kind of go together. Some might say it like this. Uh, if grace is like getting a gift we don't deserve, then mercy is not getting what we do deserve. That is, for us, punishment for our sins, right? Because each one of us is a sinner. You can sit here and look at me and say, no, I'm not. I'll call you a liar and you sin right there. So we're all sinners. Everybody's a sinner. So the Bible tells us in Romans that you know, the wages of sin is what? Death. So the wages of sin is death. So because of our sin, our punishment is to die. But because of Jesus, we have a chance to have hope. We've been shown mercy. We're not getting what we deserve. We deserve death. We deserve hell. We deserve eternal punishment and separation from God forever and ever. And ever. But God said, no, I love you too much. Here's my son. Y'all should be a little excited about that. Your, your punishment is... Is not on you anymore. There's a chance for you to spend eternity with God because of God's mercy. So, by taking our punishment for sin, Jesus displayed mercy. We don't we don't have to die a sinner's death or endure eternal separation from God because in that act of great mercy, Jesus died on my behalf and on your behalf. You guys need to smile because that's that's gonna be the best thing to hear today. I don't care. Like if baseball said, hey, we're playing next week, this still would be better than me being excited for baseball. And I'm really, really missing baseball. But because of Jesus, we do not get the punishment that we deserve, and that's mercy. So instead, we get the gift of eternal life if we turn from our sins and put our faith and trust in Jesus, and that's grace. There's a scene from a movie in musical and book I showed you guys back when we were meeting, um, probably like in probably February, I guess, anywhere in February, from, from this movie, um, Les Mis, or this play, or com, you know, musical, whatever you want to call it, Les Mis. And I'm not going to play the video because I've already played it, but I'm going to kind of show you guys the story a little, um, again. Because it still fits this, this story, the scene, very well. So in this story, there's a man named Jean Valjean. Before the story begins, uh, uh, Jean is in prison for stealing bread in order to feed his family. And after 19 years... He's finally released from prison, and he must learn how to live a normal life again. After so many years in prison, Jean Valjean is a mess, and he's not sure that he even knows how to live a normal life. But then something happens that changes his life forever. So he, he finds his way to a church, and he's taken in by a bishop. Um, he's, he's fed, he's clothed, he's given a bath, and he's, he's given a night's stay. And while there, Jean Valjean finds some silver, and he takes the silver, and then he leaves. He's eventually caught and brought back to the bishop. This is the musical version of what's said in their interaction. The musical, I'm not going to sing it for you. You're welcome. It says, but remember this, my brother. Seeing this some higher plan, you must use this precious silver to become an honest man. By the witness of the martyrs, by the passion and the blood, God has raised you out of darkness. I have saved your soul for God. In the narrative version of the book, it says, don't forget... Don't you ever forget, you've promised to become a new man. Jean Valjean, my brother, you no longer belong to evil. With this silver, I bought your soul. 
I've ransomed you from fear and hatred, and now I give you back to God. So it seems that the bishop was able to extend mercy to Jean Valjean because this bishop had an understanding of God's mercy and forgiveness in his own life. That's why it talks about in, in like in First John that we can't love other people um, if we don't love God. We, we, we only love people because of the love that God has for us. So if we haven't experienced the forgiveness of God, if we haven't experienced his mercy, it's hard for us to show that mercy and forgiveness to people because we haven't experienced it from God. We're not walking with God. So it's hard for us. So ask yourself that question. Am I showing people mercy? Am I showing people forgiveness and love? And if you're looking at me like, no, that's not me, you may want to check your relationship with Christ. It may sound really mean, and, and I intend for it to a little bit. I'm not trying to be nice. Because it's, it's true. I, I, I love and care about you guys too much to, to, to tell you guys yeah, everything's going to be okay, get you a little pat on the back, and, and have you go. That's, that's not what I want from this time. I, I don't think your leaders want that for you. They, they, I think they want to see you grow. I want to see you grow. I want to see you take a step forward in following Christ every single day. And it starts with truly spending time with God through prayer and through, through reading His Word. And once you do that, once you get close to God, then you can take a step. You begin to show love and forgiveness and mercy to other people. Because that's what you've experienced on a real personal level. But a shallow understanding of, of justice would reason that because Jean Valjean stole from the bishop... Justice would be served if Jean Valjean was punished as a criminal and he was sent back to prison. That's what a shallow understanding of justice would be. Jean Valjean would have to you know, pay the price of his sins by serving more time. But the bishop had a deeper understanding of mercy. Because someone who has experienced God's mercy isn't satisfied with punishment or revenge. When we experience God's mercy, his mercy transforms us and then empowers us to show love and mercy to other people. Luke uh, 7, starting in verse 36, says, One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at a table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at a table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. All right, so when it says that she's a, uh, a sinner, she's, she's a prostitute. You got it? So that's who this person is. It says, And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head and kiss his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had visited him saw this, he said, said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who was touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have, set, I have something to say to you. And he answered, Say it, teacher. A certain money lender had two debtors, one owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? And Simon answered, The one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, He, Jesus, said to him, You have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this? 
who even forgives sins. And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. We're going to go back to verse 47 verse 48. It says, Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. This sinful woman, this prostitute, understood who Jesus was. She knew that he had the power to forgive sins, that he was loving, and he was merciful. So when the, when the woman learned that Jesus was at the house of Simon this Pharisee, she, she gathered all of her courage. This probably would not be easy for her. She all of her courage and went to find him, despite the fact that the house was full of men who were Pharisees, who definitely down her, definitely not known for being a merciful group of people, and, and not really accepting of women, much less a prostitute woman. In the eyes of these men, the fact that she had the nerve to show up at the house uninvited confirmed their opinion that she was not a respectable woman. She should not even be near their company. But when she got to Jesus, she wept so much that her tears wet his feet. And she didn't wipe away her tears with the back of her hand or her sleeve or anything like that. It says she used her own tears to wash his feet. Instead of a towel to dry his feet, she used her own hair. She kissed Jesus' dirty and calloused and probably not very nice smelling feet. And she used her own hair. And she kept doing it over and over and over again. This was a very, I don't know if you guys have ever had anybody wash your feet before. It's a truly humbling experience to have somebody you know, wash your feet and, and dry them. It's a, it's a very deeply humble, deeply intimate, and deeply moving moment for this woman. She didn't do this as an act or out of a sense of duty for Jesus. It was, I believe it was an authentic response to God's love and mercy. Because of who God is, who Jesus was, and, what, and who he was, and the, and the man who carried himself, and what he taught, and the way he lived, there's no other response for this woman other than to cry at his feet. To anoint his feet with oil. There's no other response. In that day in culture, it was customary whenever, you, whenever a guest came to your house that your, your lowest servant would come and they would wash their feet and then you would greet them with a kiss on the cheek. That was customary here in, in first century um, Judaism. So Jesus pointed out that his host, Simon, did neither of those things, yet this woman did. It's also important to note that, that rabbis and teachers and men of quote-unquote good reputation not be seen in the company of women, much less prostitutes. For Jesus to allow this woman to even touch him at all, let alone weep at his feet and kiss him over and over again, was more shocking than anything you'd see on TMZ. And it probably would be viral if it was around today. Because in this story, Jesus flipped the script like, like he was so good at doing because he used this sinful woman as an example of what it means to love deeply. The sinful woman acknowledged Jesus was the Son of God, the one who has the power to forgive sins, and the one who has shown great mercy. But the Pharisees, these religious experts, were unable to see Jesus as who he really was. These guys knew the law better than anybody else. They studied the first five books particularly and, and knew this stuff. And then there was Jesus sitting in his living room. He had no clue. Because this woman experienced the love of God in a way that the Pharisees had not, she was able to express her love for God in a way the Pharisees cannot even begin to understand. So if you want to do justice, you need 
to love mercy. There's so much wrong in this world. Every day people frustrate and disappoint us. I'm a youth pastor, it happens all the time. But so much so that sometimes we want to see them brought to justice. There's a time and a place for people to experience consequences for their actions. Experiencing consequences for our sin sometimes is often a necessary step in the justice process. But let me ask you this question. Aren't you glad that Jesus chose to show you mercy? I am. Remember we learned from that example of the bishop and, of course, the example of Jesus. Because God is not motivated by desire to punish us. He wants to see us transformed. I think when we seek justice, I think sometimes we're motivated by desire to punish people. Not to see people changed. That's what needs to to change in us. Is that when we seek and fight for justice, it's not about punishing people who are wrong. But it's to see people changed and transformed. Because His mercy has the power to cause that kind of transformation in our lives and empower us to show that same mercy to other people. So when it comes to justice, God is calling us to love mercy. I'm going to play a song. Um, you guys just listen to it. The lyrics will be up there, but I want you kind of to listen to it. And while it's being played, just think about some questions. You know, have you ever needed to be forgiven much? How can, you know, how can you allow the forgiveness that you've received to transform you? Or have you ever refused to show mercy to somebody else? Or maybe has somebody hurt you recently? How might you show them mercy instead of taking revenge? Think about those things as we uh, listen to this song, Forgiven, by Crowder.
friend of mine whose daughter was getting ready for her first date. She was in high school. This is a true story. Getting ready for her first date. They were headed over. She was driving over to meet uh, the guy who was for a homecoming uh, at another town um, just down the road. And on the way over there, she was killed by a drunk driver. Um, I think she was a senior in high school. And uh, the family uh, of the girl uh, went to the prison where uh, the guy was because he got, you know, uh, manslaughter charges. And they went to the prison um, and, and prayed over this guy and, and showered forgiveness. Um, I, you know, that's, that's unbelievable to even think that. But the only way that they could do that is because of their love in Christ and what Christ has done in them. Uh, there, there's some pretty steady, solid believers. So there's no way they could have forgiven. They, they even had this guy, once he got released, they even had him over for dinner. And, and, and to do family events. That blows my mind. So there's no way that they could have even thought about doing like anything like that. Except for first seeing and knowing mercy. Hosea 6 6 says, I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. If you've never read this book of Hosea, check it out. Um, it's cool. Pretty cool story of what God is doing in, in, in the life. This is in the lives of Israel, but he's still doing it in our lives today. God, thank you for this. This chance to talk about mercy. God, thank you for showing mercy to me. And when I don't deserve it. God, thank you for people like Tom and Marilyn who, because of uh, what you've, you've taught them, what you've shown them, and they can then Tell the world about the, your love and your mercy. God, thank you for their influence um, in, in that man's life and in my life as well. I pray tonight as we separate and go into our small groups that we see what it means to, to, to show mercy that when people upset us or wrong us, God, that it's, it's so much better to show mercy than to seek punishment. And that we show mercy and kindness and love um, to people who, who may be difficult to show kindness and mercy and love, God, but you call us to do that. May we, may we walk out of these doors challenged and changed because of what you showed us tonight, that we need to be a people of mercy. God, not because people deserve it, not because we deserve it, God, but because you so lavishly poured out your mercy on us, God, may it overflow out of us and on to other people. In your name I pray. Amen.